Welcome to the Sargassum Podcast, where we learn about the latest ideas and concepts about Sargassum. This podcast is funded by the Resilience, Sustainable Energy and Marine Biodiversity Program, Resenbit. It's financed under the 11th European Development Fund, EDF, Caribbean Overseas Countries and Territories Regional Program, Resenbit is being implemented by expertise grants with primary stakeholders being the 12 Caribbean overseas countries. Let's get ready to learn together. Hello everyone to the new podcast episode. We have interesting guests today with us. Uh, but first of all, I want to know how is Jenna? How are you, Jenna? <laughs> I'm doing well, Evelyn. Thanks for asking. I'm uh, looking for funding for my PhD program furiously every day and getting excited to have a little break this summer before I start school in September. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Also, I I am very relaxed nowadays. And well, it's very early in the morning for me also today. So... I am just waking up with this interview uh, and to learn more with our guests. And talking about our guests, I want to introduce to you Jasa. Uh, Jasa is the project manager for the Sustainable Sargassum Management in Anguilla, British Virgin Islands and Montserrat project which is founded by the UK government through Darwin Plus Overseas Territories Environment and Climate Fund under the Darwin Initiative. The project is led by the Caribbean Natural Resources Institute, Canary, in partnership with the Department of Natural Resources, Anguilla, Ministry of Natural Resources, Labor and Immigration, British Virgin Islands, Department of Environment, Montserrat Center for Resource Management and Environmental Studies of the University of the West Indies, UWI CERMES, and Organization of Eastern Caribbean States Commissions. From September 2022 to February 2023, a multidisciplinary team of stakeholders in Montserrat comprised of government and civil society representative was trained in the use of unmanned aerial systems, drones for participate in monitoring and management of sargassum. We also have with us Mrs. Laverne Ryan, who's passionate about the use and application of geographic information systems, GIS. She's been working in the field of GIS for almost 20 years she has a Master of Science degree in GIS from the University of Edinburgh, Scotland, and also a second Master of Science um, in Spatial Planning from the University of Dundee in Scotland. Laverne continues to advance the application of GIS on Montserrat by making significant contributions in the areas of census mapping, disaster response and mitigation, environmental management, land management, and marine spatial planning, just to name a few. Laverne is a UAV expert and certified drone pilot. Given her keen interest in disaster response, Laverne also volunteers for Map Action, a UK-based humanitarian mapping charity group. Mrs. Ryan founded her company LRR Geospatial Consultancy with the aspiration of sharing the benefits of GIS to a wider audience. 
welcome both of you to the podcast today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So the first question we always ask all of our guests, and I would like an answer from both of you, please, is what is sargassum to you? Okay, so I can go first. (laughs) Okay. Okay. For me, um, okay, you go, uh, (laughs) Lamber. Thanks, Yasma. Okay, so for me, I think, for me, actually, sargassum is quite an inconvenient. Um, It Mm -hmm. is um, a floating seaweed, and it is unsightly. It really does mess up the landscape, in my opinion, and nobody wants to get close to it. So mm-hmm. the, best, the, best, the best methods that we can find to actually improve the management of sargassum, I'm ready and willing to help to participate in that. And that's probably one of the reasons why I was so adamant in joining this project in sargassum monitoring. Yeah, well, for me, um as a coastal dweller, um, I can identify with Laverne in terms of um, the ways in which sargassum can be a nuisance. But I see sargassum as both an opportunity and a threat. And that's the framing um, that we want to have. Um, we want stakeholders to, to start to adopt um, in this project. Um, although sargassum can cause severe disruptions, it can also um, solve a lot of global and local problems and generate new livelihoods and economic benefits. So we, I, I see it as an opportunity for us to do things differently. Yes, it's, it's different kind of views about sargassum. And we want to know how is people in Montserrat affected by sargassum? Okay, so in Montserrat, um, thankfully, so far, the beaches that have been inundated with sargassum are on the Atlantic coast. And that's where most of the rougher seas are. And most persons do not use the beach in, the, in those areas. So one such beach is Margarita Bay. It is an environment for bird watching and um, there's a little area for wetlands. But in terms of people, um, not many people utilize that area. Um, some fishermen go there at times to do ad hoc fishing, but it's not a common use beach. So most people have not been significantly affected by sargassum. However, this March, we noticed a few bits of sargassum washing up on our popular beaches on the western coast, so the Caribbean seaside. And there were quite a few people asking, what is that? Um, Why is it coming in? but it wasn't significant enough to make to disrupt anything. So we have been noting that there is a change in the climate and different things are happening. So people are becoming more aware of sargassum. And how do you handle the sargassum in Montserrat? So I know it sounds like fisheries isn't really too affected. Probably tourism isn't too affected and it sounds also like maybe there aren't really too many people living on that side, even of the island. Um, so what, how have you guys been handling it there? So, so far we haven't done anything. So it washes in, it dries up, and some is washed back out. We haven't done any sort of removal yet. 
because that the beach hasn't affected anyone in particular. And the, the beaches that were affected on the eastern side, the Caribbean seaside, in a matter of days, the sargassum disappeared. So that was good, but we know that the projections are that they, there is more coming. So in the future, we hope that there is a, a more conscious effort um, in terms of how it's being handled. And Yasa, I'm just going to add something. Sorry. Yasa, you're um, on Nevis mm -hmm. right now, actually. Are they having any kind of sargassum problem there that you've noticed while you've been there or on, or on St. Kitts? Uh, well, I haven't been to the beaches in St. Kitts, but on the beaches in Montserrat, I have noticed sargassum. Um, I went to a beach on Monday evening, and there were piles of sargassum, actually. When I was going down to the beach, I thought it was a, a vehicle. <laughs> From the distance, I thought it was a vehicle, but it was a, a huge mound, and apparently they've been removing sargassum from that beach for um, the last couple months or so so it's it's an issue here. on nevis okay yeah and can you talk about the sustainable sargassum management project as a whole and the implementation of the sargassum management plans developed under the project please Sure, sure. So as you said in the introduction, um, it's a three-year project that's funded by the UK government through um, the Darwin Plus Overseas Territories Environment and Climate Fund under the Darwin Initiative. And we have partners in each of the three participating um, territories. In Montserrat, our partner is the Department of Environment. Uh, the aim of the project is to enhance knowledge, institutional frameworks, experience and commitment of coastal and marine resource managers and users in each of the territories so that they will be able to manage the ecological and socioeconomic impacts from um, sargassum influxes. Uh, the project has three components. Component one looks at strengthening the evidence base for decision making. And under this component, we conducted scoping studies to get an idea of how sargassum is affecting um, the communities on, in the territory. Um, we also um, conducted this training in um, drone monitoring, as Laverne mentioned. And the aim was to be able to integrate this drone data into GIS and other relevant databases to enable data analysis and management. Um, and we also developed um, participatory research and monitoring frameworks, which I'll talk a bit more about um, in a second. Um, under component two, we are mobilizing knowledge for action. So we conducted a CAC survey, a knowledge attitudes and practice survey where we try to understand you know how people are thinking about sargassum how um, they're being affected by it and what are they doing to respond um, in response to um, the results of this survey we developed a communication and engagement strategy and we're developing knowledge projects that would then be disseminated um, in Montserrat and in the other OTs to raise awareness uh, we will also be working with partners in each territory to conduct awareness raising activities and trainings. Um, under the last component, component three, what we're doing um, is trying to improve sargassum management through the development of um, sargassum management plans. Um, that was what we originally called them, um, but what we realized is that 
it's very difficult to plan to, to create concrete plans for something that's constantly changing that there's a lot of uncertainty about and there's a lot of complexity so what we developed was sargassum adaptive management strategies and i will go into a bit of this um and resulting from those strategies we develop a strategy we will then be conducting training of trainers workshops on best practices for sargassum management and these workshops are coming up in april and may of this year um so just around the corner um, in a few weeks so oh, um, I, I wanted to ask something about the end of the thing you you said uh these strategies of the management of sargassum can you mention one strategy that you have in this this plan okay so so the sarg the sargassum adaptive management strategy um as i mentioned it takes place sargassum management takes place in the context of uncertainty we don't know a lot about um when the um influxes will take place yes we have um, forecasts but we don't know exactly what location how much is going to be um, beached the composition of the sargassum that will arise the impacts the responses so instead of i mean when you have a situation like this where there's a lot of complexity and uncertainty you can either decide to um spend a lot of time trying to improve your forecasts or your predictions or you can uh, be tempted to act very quickly and to take actions which might actually be maladaptive. So what SAMS put a lot of efforts, um, emphasis on is a participatory approach, a multi-level approach that emphasizes learning by doing. So we're taking action, but we're using this adaptive management cycle where um, we are assessing what the situation is, we're designing an approach, and then we're implementing and monitoring um, as we go along and evaluating and making adjustments. Um, so we look at things such as um, how do we prioritize um, which areas we're going to, to make investments um, in, in terms of cleaning up because we don't have a lot of funding. So governments don't have um, an infinite amount of money. So how do we make allocations? Issues of governance, who has authority to make different decisions? The institutional arrangements for effective coordination is also discussed. Um, what are the practical actions and operations for the different phases? At the pre-influx phase, what do you do? At the influx phase, at the post-influx phase. So the SAMS really provides that strategic um, framework that addresses these issues at a high level. But in terms of the actual um, adaptive, um, sorry, in terms of the um, site level and um, sector level, that is where you can come up with more concrete plans. So what we're doing is providing the overarching framework in terms of, um, you know, the, the authority, the institutional arrangements, money, actions and operations. And then you can, we, we have a framework for how do you design the local level sargassum management plans. Okay. I, I, that was a mouthful. Yes, I, I am interested in, in this kind of management because I know that managing sargassum after the arrival to the coast has been very hard for many countries in, in the Caribbean, especially in Mexico. 
well, I live here in Mexico, mm. so we have been dealing with this kind of problems of how to manage sargassum when the influxes are so, so big and we have tons and tons of mm -hmm. sargassum. So uh, the, in your experience in all this process that you have been, well, working with sargassum, both of you, have you noticed like a way of like using sargassum afterwards or there is a place, a special place they take sargassum when the, when the amount is too much to deal with it or no? Okay, so one, you need to understand um, where you can, where is it possible for you to restore the sargassum if you did move it? Um, there has been research about um, the high heavy metal content in sargassum, so you don't want to put it in a location where it will decompose and then leach heavy metals into the soil and potentially the, the water table. So it's very important to, when you are planning, that you identify um, suitable locations where you're not going to cause more of a problem than you're solving. Um, also, in some cases, like um, Lavoen mentioned, there there is a um, there's not a very high sensitivity um, to um, the impact of, of there's not a very high sensitivity, so it's okay for you to leave sargassum on the beach. If nobody is using the beaches in these areas, then it's better to just let the sargassum rot um, or get washed back out to sea rather than risking putting heavy equipment on the beach that could then compact the sand and affect um, the wildlife and um, ecosystems in the area. So you really need to make a judgment as to whether or not it makes sense to intervene. Um, Thank you. I, I don't know what Lavern uh, thinks about this. I completely agree with you. Um, one thing that we noticed when we did our drone monitoring survey um, was that after we created the base map, so we created the first base map um, in October last year, there was nothing on the beach, absolutely nothing. The beach was pristine. So we're like, okay, we did the base map. And then our trainer came and was like, okay, you got to go do another one. So we did another one in February. And when we got to the beach again in February, it was totally opposite. <laughs> I myself was shocked because the beach was inundated with sargassum, like full, like from the coast from the ridge to the next ridge. It was full of sargassum. So, okay, we were excited to actually carry out the entire um, monitoring protocol. We measured the sargassum on the beach, we laid out transects, and then we incorporated that back into the mapping. But one of the, the great things about the software we used, which was Drone Deploy, we're able to add annotations to that map. So in that map, we noticed hey, there's no direct access to the beach for removal. There's no vehicular access. There was a little track that we walked down. So if there was a vehicle to come in to remove that sargassum, it's not possible. There's no vehicular access, and you have to basically cross a little swampy area to get to the beach. 
So noting that um, it's not all the time you can actually remove the sargassum. So sometimes you just gotta leave it there and let it run it let it run its course, and hopefully <laughs> nature will take care of itself. Yeah. Thank you. It sounds like you have some workshops. I, oh, sorry. Were you going to say something else? Yeah, I think you had also asked about uses. Um, whilst in most of the islands, there's the issue of scale as well, in that um, you have small populations and um, the ability to um, develop viable businesses. Um, surrounding sargassum can be a bit challenging, but we do have some success stories that we've been learning from in the region. Um, we've had opportunities to hear in the wider project under the action learning group from people such as um, the entrepreneurs responsible for the creation of biostimulants, so red diamond in Barbados, as well as um, um, Mr. Dujon in Grenada, it's not Grenada, St. Lucia, who produces Algas Organics, which is a, it's a biostimulant for crops um, that has had a lot of success. Um, so that's one area where um, there's opportunity to use sargassum. Um, another opportunity that's being explored actively in the region is the creation of biofuels. Um, in Barbados, they're looking at the Roman Sargassum project. And there's really a need for us to explore what is possible in um, in small islands where there's this issue of scale um, to be able to to see the the economic benefits, the opportunities that Sargassum um, provides. So even if we're removing it from the beach, what can we do with it? I know you talked about some workshops that you're that are coming up in Montserrat. Have you either of you organized any kind of workshops on other islands? I know that you're also in the BVI sometimes and um, have, have you had any success with any kind of workshops like this elsewhere? Um, yes, so during the first year and a half of the project, we actually um, faced the challenge of the COVID-19 pandemic, which um, came with restrictions um, concerning face-to-face -face gatherings. So um, last September, when we did the drone boot camps in each of the territories, that was the first time that we were able to bring together representatives from different coastal and marine resorts um, user groups for training. Um, also in January of this year, we did a virtual workshop where we presented the findings of the scoping studies and the capital pay. But um, in May, what we will be doing is having trainer training of trainers workshops for coastal resource users and managers on best practices for sargassum management. You know, we'll be talking about um, best practices for removal best practices in terms of um, using sargassum and just a small amount um, of discussion about how they re rehabilitate um, affected areas. But there's very little that we can do on that um, side of things, but we need to look at the entire um, cycle. So that's what we will be discussing in May and we have um, workshops planned for each of the participating territories. Okay. Are locals also trained in drone monitoring? Um, is that a possibility? And if that is, 
happening? How is it going? Um, yeah, so teams of seven people um, were trained in each of the territories. So seven people trained in Montserrat, seven in BPI, seven in Anguilla. And these um, drone teams comprise a wide cross-section of stakeholders. So you had people from civil society, from government. Um, I'm not sure if there were any from the private sector. Um, I guess from the private sector as well in some of the territories. Um, and they are supposed to continue working together and training others um, in their organizations to implement these drone monitoring protocols. So whilst we work with seven people initially, as the program continues to be rolled out, we expect this to be um, the, the information to be shared and that for a larger cohort of people to get involved in, in this work. Um, in terms of how it's resulting, what it's doing, as I think Laverne just um, highlighted, is that it's making us aware of um, what data do we really need? Um, what, what data is useful for people? Um, who is it useful for? How it can um, help us to make better decisions? So for instance, um, she mentioned this, this speech where there's actually no access to be able to remove it if you wanted to. So what are the alternatives? What is a better approach? Um, do we have the capacity? Um, what further training is needed? What additional resources are required? So by doing this um, data collection, we are actually asking a lot more questions. It's helped us ask better questions that we could then um, find the answers to. So as you can see, it's a circular, a, a circular process where um, we do, we learn, we ask questions, we modify, um, and constantly um, trying to improve our approach to management because we really don't know um, a lot of the answers right now. We interviewed um, Dr. Henry in Barbados, who's working on that biofuel project uh, a couple years ago. So it's neat to um, just hear all the different solutions and, you know, potential um, products and just economy, you know, kind of products that can be useful on an island um, with a thing like this, like, just like you were saying, it's like a threat, but also an opportunity. So um, it's nice to hear that people can be involved um, in some way or another and try to make something positive about it, even if it's learning and training, you know, from this that wouldn't have come up otherwise. So. Yes. Uh, well, we, we want to know if you want to add something else about the work you are doing both, or do you want to share with us uh, something that that you want to to people know about you about the work you are doing. I think that um, I just want to highlight that um, because sargassum is something that is new. It's a it's a new phenomenon for us in in these islands at least, and we're just learning. Um, about how to respond. It's really important to have a highly participatory approach where um, 
the resource users, the people who are affected by this phenomenon, have an opportunity to understand it and to get involved in or have a say in how it's managed. And that's something that's really important to us at the um, Caribbean Natural Resources Institute, facilitating participatory management of um, natural resources and coming up with solutions that are um, that are equitable, that are um, that are beneficial to um, a wide cross section of stakeholders, and so um, I really look forward to the upcoming workshops where we will get an opportunity to work with people on the ground and to understand what their issues are, what their needs are, and how we can better support them in adapting to this new reality. Yeah, and I was going to add that I really want to give kudos to um, Canary because for us, it's like a proactive step as opposed to a reactive one. So being able to have the tools and the equipment that we need to actually monitor before it becomes out of hand, especially here for us in Montserrat. And being able to take, for example, when we did the drone monitoring, we actually captured panorama views. We did 3D maps. We did photo plans and video plans to, en to be able to engage people who would not necessarily be able to visit the beach. So in that opportunity for participatory mapping, they're able to see what's actually taking place, make comments, um, interact, and I think that's, an, that's another good step in, able, in being able to encourage persons to take ownership for what's happening in your territory. So it's a, it's a really good, a really good approach. Uh, I, I have a question. Uh, when you talk about this, do, so people is going to be like trained to use their own drones or you will lend them drones and they will help you to do these like maps uh, of the whole island? No, so, so a group of us have been already trained. So a cross-section of users. So I'm from the GIS department. There's another person from the environment department. We had two private stakeholders. Um, we had the National Trust. We had another person from the fisheries department. So we had different people who were able to contribute to operating the drone. So it's not um, one, um, one person who's always going to be doing the work. So we trained across the board, and that allows us to spread out the work evenly, <laughs> allowing other persons to become engaged in, in doing the actual mapping. And then we all fed that back into the software called Drone Deploy, where the images are processed and persons can actually have a good output as to what's on the ground. Do you use a special drone? Um, we, well, as part of the project, we're able to acquire the DJI, DJI Air 2S. So that's what we use for mapping. Yes. So it's it's like a spectral. It has the spectral of sargassum. You can detect the spectral of sargassum. No, that drone is just for optical, just for um, what we call red, green, and blue. Okay. Just the yeah, just the photogrammetry. It doesn't have multispectral. It doesn't have infrared. It's just the visual part. Of the spectrum mm. so just taking that map oh. from taking that image from above 
and looking down to see where things are. And are you going I... to have these images from month to month, each month? I think that's part of the monitoring plan. So we have to decide how things are being monitored and it's based on the influx. Okay. So based on what we see happening on the ground, then we would determine the need for it. And one of the other reasons, I think, for us to be monitoring the beaches is to quantify if there is a need for removal, how much would it cost to remove? What's the tonnage? What's the, the weight? And then using other techniques in GIS to identify suitable sites for disposal or storage, as the case may be. Yes. And, well... Uh, I also wanted to yes. note... Go, go, Jessa. Go Sorry, on. if you don't mind... No, no, I don't. Yeah, um, drone, use of drones. Yeah, use of drones is only one component to um, the research and monitoring. We also, drones is like the, the silver standard, but we can also use simpler approaches. Um, not everybody knows how to use a drone. And in some cases, you, if you have site level management plans, it may be possible just to use simple site profiles and these site profiles that we've developed templates for look at the biophysical aspects, the socioeconomic and livelihoods, governance and institutions. So it gives you a snapshot of what the situation is at a particular site and allows you to do a vulnerability and capacity assessment that then helps you to make decisions about whether it makes sense to intervene or not. And then as um, Ravon said, you can make decisions later about, okay, how much is it going to cost? What do I need in order to be able to do a cleanup and how much is it going to cost? Um, and you can use other simple tools like buckets and um, tape measures. There, there are other ways to, to monitor um, if, if necessary. Obviously drones make it a lot simpler, um, but it's not the only way. Um, and we can even scale up beyond um, just using the drones to, um, to monitor, to fully integrate it into the GIS and even using um, artificial intelligence, which um, they're doing in some places, which would be the absolute gold standard. So it's a, it's a spectrum and we really want to, to build capacity of those who only need you know, to understand the most simple approaches to those who have the capacity to do um, the, the more advanced um, integration. So I, I just wanted to, to bring that point across that um, the monitoring does not have to require drones, but it does help. Yes, yes. It's Thank you for, for letting us know because, yes, it's part of, of the monitoring, as you said, because also when you have these beaching events uh, that come often to to the coastline, you need to have the biomass also calculated. How much to know how much of your coastline is with sargassum, and you can also add the images of drone thing. But yes, it is important not to only leave the drone work. Uh, alone. You need others also in land, also maybe in parallel doing the, the field work with the drone, you know, to, to say, mm -hmm. okay, this, these are the species that are coming to our coast that might be different to other 
species that are coming to other coasts. I think you have the same species that all the Caribbean uh, are having. Natans, Natans 8, Natans 1, Fuitans 3. I think it's we, we share the species also. Maybe the amounts and the, the months that it comes is different. But I think we share the same species because, uh, well, we share the same ocean. Yes. <laughs> uh, Jenna, do you want to add something else or? No, I don't think so. This was so wonderful. It sounds like you guys are doing really exciting work and I love the adaptive management strategy. Yes. Well, we wish you, we wish you, you to have a very good, good uh, implementation of the project and that everything you do that you can share with people because people is going to be very, uh, I think they will be open because as you said also, it's, it's a new, a new episode we have to live with because sargasm is has come to stay well <laughs> it was here before of us so uh we have to live with it we have to to share the space the moment and the time with with sargassum influxes so we we thank you very much for for your time and we hope to see you again when the when the projects are in the implementation part and to have good news about your work. Thank you. And yeah. I also want to thank you for the work that you've been doing in raising awareness about Sagasum and sharing um, best practices and innovations that we can all learn from. This is really important and um, it was a pleasure being here. Thank you as well. It has been a pleasure to be here and to share. Um, I hope others have um, learned a few techniques in terms of how to manage Sagasum in their territories and like you said we share the ocean so whatever impacts me impacts you yes so, thank you for having me yes thank <laughs> you well we want to thank our listeners and our viewers for being with us today we hope you learned something from our guests because we sure did and we want to thank laverne and yasa for being here evelyn what did you think about their work well they they are working hard i think that when more people work together as a team they they can accomplish more things that's that's i think that's one of the part of them doing they are not working alone that's that's why these kind of projects are going to be very useful for other people for other stakeholders are as they say and sharing that knowledge uh they have in each field i think it's like complementing to the to the implementation of the management projects they are going to to do in the future because right now they are preparing like the scenario the, they are preparing the people to know how to to manage how to act the, when the influxes come so i think they are preventing something before it happens so uh, I I was very well. I, I I am happy that people can work together in different fields, 
and join the join the knowledge to accomplish one one thing in common yeah i love the participatory approach and the the uh, highlighting on that because it is really important for people to be involved and that they are being proactive, like you're saying, instead of waiting for something to happen, you know, it's very impressive um, management plan that they've put together and I've, and it's adaptive because it has to be, sargassum is unpredictable. And so I think they're, yeah, they're doing really great work. And like you said, I hope that other people can see this as an example, you know, and once they can share how successful or, you know, what things might need to be changed out there too, then people can get help get aid from their pre-planning so yeah yeah and i hope that you also found founding for your phd jenna <laughs> i wish you the best for that Thank you. and if any listener wants to to be part of your founding please <laughs> make <Yeah>. a comment <laughs> reach out yeah. yes make a comment <laughs> to the sargasm podcast that you want to found jenna uh, it would be nice to know that. Uh, well, uh, we thank you very much for being with us again in another episode. And we hope to to see you again and to hear from you soon. And bye-bye. <laughs> thank you for tuning in today and learning with us from our guests. If you want more information about what our guests talked about today, please check our show notes for links and information in our archives. And don't forget to like and share our podcast with your friends. The Sargassum Podcast is made possible through funding by the Resilient Sustainable Energy and Marine Biodiversity Program, Resembiv. Financed under the 11th European Development Fund, EDF, Caribbean Overseas Countries and Territories Regional Program. Resembit is being implemented by Expertise France with the primary stakeholders being the 12 Caribbean Overseas Countries and Territories. The podcast is produced by Paola Diaz, Mario Garcia Rodriguez, Cleo Maridakis and Eloise Lopez and it is hosted by Francisca Elmer, Jenna Contucchio, Florence Menes, Cleo Maridakis, Evelyn Salas, and Paola Diaz. We will be back in two weeks with another exciting guest. The music of the podcast is from the song Them A Pray by Drizzle, the road runner, an artist from Roatan. Follow him on Spotify or YouTube for more music.